Welcome to the Centro Church Podcast. To find out more about Centro Church, please visit us at centrochurch.com.au or download our smartphone app today. Amen. It's a great privilege and honor um, for us today to have a, uh, a resident of the United States amongst us. Uh, Lucas and his lovely wife Jackie and their boys have just recently moved to San Diego. Uh, so we have an international guest with us this morning. Um, and we laugh at that because Lucas is love. We have Lucas every year, maybe a couple of times, and uh, we do appreciate so much that dimension of the Holy Spirit and that insight into, uh, into, into the things of God that Lucas brings. But uh, Lucas's ministry is opening up, and uh, it really is starting to see God uh, um, bless him in such a way that he's uh, touching some significant parts around this globe. But this morning we have him here in Ipswich. Let's give him a great central welcome to Pastor Lucas Connell. Excellent. Thank you so much. Can we give Jesus one more shout of praise? Come on, can we do that? He's so good. Excellent. So good. It's great to be here. Why don't you grab your seats? Uh, We had a a real phenomenal time at Encounter Weekend, and uh, it was just really cool to see God uh, just do some powerful things in people's lives. And uh, I won't embarrass anyone this morning, but there's one lady here this morning, and I know there's a whole heap that just had powerful encounters, and, and she literally looks different you know, in, in such a powerful, just what God done. And, and uh, who knows that the Holy Spirit wants to do incredible stuff in us. And when you encounter His presence, you actually look different. Isn't that an amazing thing? Because uh, of His goodness. And uh, I'm excited to be here. And uh, I have been here many times. And I love this house. I love Pastors John and Pastor Francine and all of the team. It's great to see uh, my good friends, uh, Pastors Tim and Pastor Kat have joined the team as well. And aren't they uh, just great people and a real blessing to this house? And uh, I want to speak to you this morning. This is the first time I've ever preached this message. And, you know, as an itinerant, you sort of just, you know, you get a message and you preach it everywhere. And I said to Pastor John, I feel like you this morning, you know, where I've got to do one for the first time. And uh, that's a scary thing for me. Uh, But uh, I want to speak about an unusual subject. And uh, it's probably one that we don't hear about a lot. And it's actually, it's probably not setting myself up real well to tell you what I'm going to preach about, but I want to speak a bit about pride. Everybody go, ooh. But don't worry, okay? Don't worry, because it's not for you, it's for the person next to you. Okay, so don't, well, why don't you turn to them now and say, this message is for you. (laughs) See, what is awesome now, now I've got the whole room in pride because you all think you're better than the person next to you. So now I need to preach to the whole crowd. It's really not just about pride, it's about pride and humility. And I, I want to just show you some stuff that God has been showing me for the last couple of months that I actually believe will bless your life in such a powerful way if you grasp uh, this concept. And Because uh, it's one of God's eternal principles, and we'll get more into that. But I remember when God really dealt with me in the era of pride. Uh, and, and obviously, as humans, we all deal with pride. And it's not sort of, I wish it was just once, yep, dealt with that, that's done. Uh, but I remember a real moment. I was a youth pastor at my church, which was Surf City Christian Church on the Gold Coast under Pastors Richard and Pastor Eric and Nugent. And, uh, you know, in my church, it was a church of about 300. And the guys from Encounter have heard this story. But uh, I was very secure in my church, in this church of a few hundred. And the reason I was secure was because everybody knew of my great exploits. You know, I was the guy 
that was this crazy drug addict that was mentally ill, but has this radical encounter with Jesus, gets healed in an instant, in one moment of mental illness, of all my addictions. You know, in my church, I was like golden boy. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I was, you know, if the meeting got a bit flat, let's get golden boy up to do his testimony again. Do you know what I mean? Like, I was the guy that God spoke to and said, you're going to marry this particular girl. And she was the best looking girl in the whole church. And there were six other men in the church that also felt God told them that she was the one. But thankfully, by God's grace, uh, I was the one that married her. Do you know what I mean? So I was golden boy. Do you know what I mean? Like I was the one that heard from God, got the girl, uh, you know, got the testimony, started our youth group with just 10 or so people. And in a short amount of time, it was 50 and then 100 and eventually 200. And I could walk into my church and I tell you, I felt secure. I felt so secure because everybody knew of my great exploits. I could walk in and high five everyone. And I remember this moment where God really set me up and I went to a Youth Alive conference. It was in Victoria at Bridge, AOG. And it was awesome. I was going on the plane and we'd just hit 200 people like two weeks before. And I thought to myself, oh, this is amazing. You know, I'm going to go to this youth pastor's conference and God's going to tell me how awesome I am and about going to the next level. And, you know, I'm ready to go. I'm golden boy sitting on that plane. And I remember the moment I got off the plane, I was confident in Melbourne and I remember, I'll never forget the day I walked into this, this building. It's a large auditorium. And I walk in and there's 500 other youth pastors. I'd never been to an event like this. And none of them knew of my great exploits. And many of them were doing way better than I was. And I'll never forget it. I walked in and I went from confidence to absolute insecurity. <clears throat> I remember feeling so overwhelmed by this feeling that I'd never seen. It was always there, but it was hidden in a false sense of security. And, and, and I remember, we, we, you know, I, I couldn't talk to anyone. I didn't want to talk to anyone for the whole conference. I would arrive late. I would leave early. I remember we got into the first night of worship and I'm feeling terrible. I'm like, what is going on? Pastor Russell Evans, who was running the event, he gets up during worship and he has a prophetic word. He says, you know what? There's people in this crowd. He says, you're really struggling with insecurity. And I thought, finally, some pastoral care and some love. You know, he's going to, and, and then he says, and I'm, I'm, my hands are raised. And he says, you know what? I want to tell you that your insecurity is pride and you need to repent of your sin. I'm there going, what is going on, God? I'm golden boy. Now I'm backslidden. <clears throat> I went home early. I'd come late each day. I got to the last day. It was the worst conference I'd ever been to. I'm not lying. Reggie Dabbs preaches a message on the last session. And he does this altar call, 500 youth pass. He says, if you're a male in this place and you're just on fire for God at the moment, you're in a season where you're doing awesome. He says, I want you to come. And it's a very long church, maybe 30 meters or so and a, a, a wide church. And he says, I want you to make a line, all the men and face the crowd. And I'm sitting there. I'm thinking, man, I could have answered your stupid altar call three days ago. But ever since I've come to this conference, I'm now backslidden and full of pride. <laughs> and there was no way I could answer that altar call. And I stayed in the crowd and full of insecurity. And then he said to the females, if you're in that same season, you're just doing well, you're on fire in this season. I want you to come and make a line, a, you know, a couple meters back facing the, the man. And he's making this giant tunnel. And then he says, now everyone else, there's about 200, maybe a hundred of us left. And he, he says, now everyone else, you're just in a season where you're not doing so well. And for me, that was code for your backslid. And anyway, because <clears throat> of my insecurity, he said, I want you to come through this tunnel and we're all going to pray for you and God's going to do some stuff in your life. And I promise you, I was so full of pride and insecurity 
that I said to myself, I am not going through your stupid tunnel. I was not going. And then I had this moment where there's 500 people in the room. Three of them are at the first altar call making the tunnel. 199 of them are about to leave because they need to go through the tunnel. And I'm left standing in a massive auditorium as the only guy that's too proud to go through the tunnel. So for no other reason of my own pride, I quickly jumped on the end of that line. I said to myself, I'm going to put my head down. I'm not going to look at one person. I'm going to get out of this conference and I'm going home. And, and there was this one person, I was a youth pastor at Surf City, the pastor before me, I'd never really met him. He was a youth pastor before me, James McPherson. He had since moved on to be with Steve Penny and I hated this guy because I'd preach a sermon and I was just standing out, my kids would come in and go, I tell you, James was an amazing preacher. Oh, James, he used to write us these letters. I've, I've got it on my wall. He was such a great leader. And in my heart, I never said it, but I'd be like, I hate this guy, James McPherson. <laughs> I, I, I'm finally just jump on the end of this tunnel and I say to myself, just put my head down. Do not make eye contact because these men are my heroes. And, and so I put my head down and they're all like, chica mama, you know. And, and so I just got my head down <clears throat> and, and I'm walking. I'm not looking at one person. And then I can see at the corner of my eye, the wall is starting to approach the end of the tunnel. And I think I'm going to look up once just to see where to come out of this tunnel. And then I'm done. And I get right to the end. I walk past 300 people or maybe 298. And I get to the end. I look up just for a second to see where the end. And the only person I see is James McPherson just going, <clears throat> I remember I came out of that tunnel and I fell to the ground and I began to weep. That's the presence of God come upon me. And I remember so clearly, I'll never forget this moment as the Holy Spirit said, Lucas, get your eyes off yourself and start to put them on me and on my goodness. You know, the amazing thing of this story is I was at that first church. It's where I got born again for eight years of my life. But eventually I felt called to go and serve a guy called James McPherson. And that one moment was the move that elevated my ministry, what we're doing, and now I'm preaching all over the world and you can trace it back to that move. See, my insecurity, my pride would have stopped me from connecting with the person that my destiny was connected to. Pride is such a dangerous thing. You know, there's a horrific thing that happens in the States and many other places where there's freezing temperatures where often people will die in their cars when it's below freezing. And the reason they'll die is because what happens is the exhaust pipe actually clogs up with ice. And while they're sitting in their car just because they don't want to get out because of the cold, the carbon monoxide starts to come back in the car and it's killed many families. It happens every single year. You would think to yourself, well, why would they do that? Why wouldn't they just get out of the car? See, the thing that's dangerous about carbon monoxide is you can't smell it, you can't see it, you can't taste it. You only know it's there once you've passed out and then you die. You know, pride is exactly like carbon monoxide. Of all the sins that we all struggle with as human beings, pride is the hardest one to see. You can't smell it, you can't see it. You often don't realize it's there until you're dead, in a sense. You know, the... It, it's it, it's such a if you think about if I'm struggling with lust there's no denying that I'm struggling with lust I, I know the thoughts that are going on in my mind 
or if there's an outworking, I know that there's an outworking of that particular sin. And so in a sense, it's less dangerous because at least when I'm in it, I know that I'm in it. But when we're in pride, it's so deceptive that you can be walking in this thing called pride and not even know. The reality is we all struggle. Now, I've got a few scriptures, four scriptures. It's Proverbs 29, 23. It says, a man's pride will bring him low, but a man of lowly or humble spirit gains honor. Have they got those scriptures? Are they on the signs? Not yet, but they're going to come. There you go, in Jesus' name. And then James 4, 6. We're just going to quickly go through four scriptures. James 4, 6. It says, God opposes the proud. Remember, it doesn't say God stops loving the proud, but he resists. He opposes But on the other hand, and this is his eternal principle that you can work for yourself in a positive way, it says he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You know that word grace, it's not more forgiveness, it is empowerment. It is the power of heaven that comes down that enables you to do what you could never do in the natural. Who wants some of that grace? And that's what it says. It says pride God resists. He still loves, but he resists. But when there is humility, there is this spiritual principle that happens where humility draws empowerment from heaven and causes us to do what we can't. James 4.10 says, humble yourself before the Lord and He will lift, lift you up. Again, there is that principle that lifts you up. And then 1 Peter 5, verse 5 and 6, I'm going to jump down halfway through. It says, all of you clothe yourself with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. You know, just to summarize of all those scriptures, some principles about this, this thing of pride and humility. The first thing is with humility is it's something you do to yourself. Soon we'll have three points, but I just want to create a platform. It's not, you don't ask God to humble you. The Bible says, do it yourself. Humble yourself. Clothe yourself with humility uh, uh, under God's mighty hand. Some other things, and it's pretty clear that with pride, we are brought low or we're resisted. But with humility, we are lifted up or exalted and we are given empowerment from heaven. See, the thing I want you to know about this message is it doesn't come from a heart that God's in heaven saying, I'm going to point out the pride in your life. It comes from a heart of a dad that says, I want to get more power to you. I want to get power to your marriage. I want to get power to your children and your business and your, and your finance. And the way that power comes is when we end up in a stance of humility. You know, think about it when, it's funny as human beings, when we go and meet new people, often we don't talk. You know, when you stand in the elevator, there's six, seven humans all in the elevator. And the rule is everyone's like, don't look, don't say anything, just stand in your place. But then it's funny because if we go to an awards night or a sporting event and our children are playing or our grandchildren are receiving award, all of a sudden we're best friends with everyone. We're talking to complete strangers. He's mine. That guy there, he's mine. <clears throat> Isn't it amazing? Isn't that true? But you know what? That's exactly the same as God. He wants to see you exalted. He wants to see you blessed. He wants to see the grace and favor of God on your life. And he's standing there going, yeah, he's my, look at him. Look, look, he's being exalted. But the way that it happens is through this principle of humility and pride. You know, a definition of pride, and we'll get to just a few points in a moment, is really that I can do it by myself and I don't need you. In other words, it's, an, it's, a, it's a thinking that this flesh 
is special on its own. Pride has two spectrums. It has insecurity, which often is, 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 we're deceived as a false humility. Insecurity, I'm just a worm, I'm nothing, I'm not good enough. That's pride, but it has another spectrum, which we're more common with, which is arrogance. Look at me, I'm incredible. The definition of humility is summed up best by a rabbi from Poland in the 1800s. He instituted this thing for the Jews where they would wake up in the morning and they would put two pieces of paper, one in their left, one in their right. They would look at them each morning and whenever they needed to throughout the day, they'd get these bits of paper out and then at night they'd pull them out of their pockets and they'd look at them again. One of those bits of paper said, I am but ashes and dust. Or another translation is, I was made from the dirt. But then on the other side, it said, for my sake, the world was created. See, when you put those two things together and you actually see true humility has an understanding of your human condition, that you are flawed, that you have this flesh that can do no great thing by itself. But that by itself is wrong. When you couple that, that, con- that understanding of the human condition with the stance that God has towards you, that He loves you, that He wants you to be blessed, that the world was created for you, when you put those two things together, you end up with humility. You know, those two bits of paper are powerful and a pure <coughs> definition of humility, but one of those bits of paper by themselves ends up in pride. I was just made from the dust. It's that false humility and insecurity. I'm just a worm and I don't want to ever say that I'm great or anything like that because I just want to be humble. But that other bit of paper by itself, I tell you the whole world was created for me, results in arrogance. But when you get an understanding of those two things together, in other words, an understanding of my human condition, this thing is flawed, it's weak, it's flesh that can achieve no thing by itself, but coupled with the fact that my God loves me so much that He died on a cross, that He wants to see me blessed and highly favoured. When you put those two things together, the human condition and God's stance towards you, you end up with this incredible picture of humility. You know, one of the misconceptions about humility, where we get it wrong, is that humility is weak. Uh, I was thinking about the best definition of the Bible of of a humble person, and it's David. King David represents humility, and Saul represents pride. David was continually elevated, where Saul was brought to, he he was made low and lost his destiny. We often think humility is weak. Remember the story of David and Goliath? It's not a fairy tale, it's a historic event. Imagine a 16 or 17 year old boy turns up to a battle where men potentially are going to be killed. He turns up to the battle and there is this this trained fighter who's seven feet tall, he's ridiculously huge, he's causing grown men, not just grown men, but grown army warriors to cower and be so afraid. And he'd come out to defy them and say, come on, someone fight me. And this little 16, 17-year-old boy ends up fighting a giant and takes him out and saves the whole nation. But you know what the picture of humility, because we think of it as weak, is David turning up to that battle. And he walks up and everyone else is cowering and he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? He says, today I'm going to cut off his head and then I'm going to feed his body to the birds of the air and the whole world will know 
that there is a God in heaven. If we were to judge someone that walked up to that situation, we'd be like, man, how, who's this guy I think he is? How pre- but I tell you, true humility, when you understand the stance of your humanity coupled with his favor towards you, it doesn't look weak or wimpy. It looks bold and courageous. It says, come on, let me have a go. I know who I really am, but I also know who's for me. So you better hop out of my way because he lives on the inside of me. It's so often we see it as this weak and cowering thing, but it's a picture of great strength. See, again, it's not about God pointing out pride in your life. It's about him getting grace to you. You know, there's so many moments in that text where David fights, where the enemy tries to get him into pride. Goliath, he calls them the servants of Saul. What's he trying to do? He's trying to get them off track for who they really are. They're the servants of God and God is for them. He then says to David, but you're just a little boy. He's trying to get him to see that, hey, you're just, you're just human and you can do nothing. Uh, you know, the thing with pride, let me just do a few points before we finish. The thing with pride, like I said, is it's very hard to see whether it's in our hearts. It's very hard to see whether we can get it so wrong. We can think someone is proud, but, but they're actually fully humble. We can think someone is humble, but actually in their heart, they're fully pride. Even in our own self, it's hard to see. So I felt God give me three things. Three practical things that I believe reveal humility or a lack of it. And there are also three things that build humility or build pride. The first one is this, it's simply prayer. See, how much you pray reveals humility. If you think about it, see... David was a a, a prayer. He was called a a man after God's own heart that was shown in his prayer. Saul hardly ever prayed in the Bible. In 2 Chronicles 7.14, the guys have got it. It it says, uh, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, I will heal their land. What is that scripture? It's a picture of how do you humble yourself? You pray. In other words, if you've got a prayer life, it's actually revealing humility. Because think about it, why else would I have a regular prayer life? But that it's an act of humility. Do you understand? Why else would I spend my time when I've got many other things to do to actually appear before God and say, Father, I'm just, whether it's five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour, that, that I'm having this regular, consistent thing because it's important to me. The fact that I go to prayer acknowledges, God, I know who I really am. God, I understand my human condition. I could get myself in a lot of trouble, but God, I'm also here because I understand how much you're for me. So I want to unlock some of that power and potential. Prayer is a, a thing that so reveals, and, and I want you to hear me when I say this is I'm not just speaking to you, I'm speaking to myself. Because if prayer, consistent prayer reveals humility, then do you have to say that prayerlessness reveals pride? The fact, it wasn't that I sort of consciously said, right, I don't need you, God, I'm going into pride. But the fact that I've stopped praying, is there somewhere in my heart that I've said, I think I've got this by myself, God. I think I could do this. See, prayer reveals humility, prayerlessness reveals pride. But I said with these points, don't, don't feel bad because the, these points also can build humility 
or build pride. Prayerlessness will continue to build pride. But if you start and make a decision, I need to start to pray on a consistent you know, you know, level, you will start to build humility, therefore release power. I remember as Aussies, I'm now living in America. It's a big faith step. And who knows that as Aussies, sometimes Americans can rub us up the wrong way. Yeah, so there's agreement in this place. And, and, and normally what it is, is what we would call their arrogance. They're, they're often over-the-top confident. And, and being in America, I've met so many of them. I remember meeting this one guy. He's a very successful business guy. Uh, started a company 11 years ago. And now it's bringing in tens of millions of dollars. I met him and the first time I met him, I can't remember what happened, but it was over-the-top confident just for a moment. And I was just like, as an Aussie, I was like, oh no, I just, I don't think we can be friends. And then I meet him again. I actually go to his connect group. And and so we go out as families for ice cream. It's my second time. I only met him just for like 30 seconds, but rubbed me up the wrong way a little bit. And then we're talking in our first 30 seconds of talking. I'm just making small talk. And I was like, hey, how long have you had your business? He said, 11 years. I say, well, man, how'd you go with the GFC? You know, the global financial crisis i said how'd you go with the gfc he goes oh crushed it absolutely crushed it we flipping crushed it and in that moment i'm just like yep it's confirmed we can't be friends <laughs> not gonna work i've tried i've even done a second time it's amazing because then we got to sit down at ice cream and he starts to share his story of 15 years ago where he came to a place of absolute brokenness his wife left him, poverty. But about 13 years ago, he talks about his tears start to well up in his eyes and he starts to talk about how 12 years ago, something shifted and I started to see how broken I was. My pride got smashed and he said, I started to, to, to build prayer into my life. He looks at me with tears and he says, you want to know why I'm so successful? He said, every morning for the past 10 years, I spend an hour and a half every morning just getting before heaven and asking God to bless our business. What an amazing thing. See, sometimes humility, we could judge it as arrogance, but actually humility is confident. Humility can stand and say, you know what? We did crush it. But on the inside, there was this heart that says, what I really know is it's only because of God and the blessing that He's doing in my life. Prayer reveals humility. The second thing is is teachability. Teachability is an act of humility. I don't have time, but we could look at David and Saul. You know, when David was confronted for his sin, he humbled himself and he let someone else speak into his life. When Saul was confronted by the prophet for his sin, he justified things and made up excuses. He wasn't teachable. You know, the way that you can tell whether you're teachable, because it's easy to sit and say, yeah, I am, I am. Okay, then, well, who's speaking into your life? Who have you got in your life that has permission to speak into your world? Who have you got in your life that could actually correct you? Who have you got in your life that could speak about your marriage or your business? You know, another test is when you meet people, and we all like to talk about ourselves, it's part of being human, but do you spend most of the time wanting to tell them all that you've learned? Or do you approach the new person with, what could I learn from this situation? See, because teachability is a form of humility. You know, I was talking to a friend in one of our campuses. We have uh, two two back-to-back services, similar to here, but they're in the same place. My friend, he serves at both. 
And he was really struggling with the second service, you know, hearing the message a second time. And, and he'd really get nothing out of it. He was speaking to a friend and he was sort of just openly sharing this. And he, his friend was a, a neurologist. And he said to him, he said, you know what? If you approach something where you think that you already know, your brain actually shuts down and you are unable to learn. What an amazing thing. Teachability is an act of humility which brings grace to take me to the next level. But even my brain is working in this format that when I approach a situation and I go, well, I already know, my brain is opposing myself and I can't get the thing that I need. How do you come to church when you hear a preacher that's been at the same pulpit for the last 15 or 20 years? It's so easy to come and say, well, I've already heard this before. I know, but, but if you come like that, it's pride and your brain shuts down and you're unable to receive what God wants to give you. But if you'd come in with a teachable spirit and say, I'm going to the house of God today and I'm believing for one key, I'm believing for one thing that's going to change my life that I'm going to be better for teachability reveals last point if the keyboarder could come the last thing is this is thankfulness is an act of humility david wrote all the psalms he was continually thanking and praising god saul built a monument to himself thankfulness is an act of humility think about it if you do something good for me and i think that's a prophetic word for someone Actually, maybe 10 people. No. If you do something good for me, whether small or large, and I come to you and I say, hey, thank you so much. The very fact that I'm saying thank you is acknowledging that because of you, I'm now better. Act of humility. Same when I do it before God. When I, when I am thankful, when I have gratitude, I am acknowledging God because of you, my life is better. But when I stop being thankful, it reveals pride. It's a check in your heart. Because if you've stopped being thankful, then what you're really saying is, well, I'm the reason all this good stuff's happened. It's my good works. It's the decisions I made. I was the one that went and studied. But when you're thankful, you know, there's a great picture of, of Jesus on a donkey. Remember, he rides into Jerusalem and they're all like waving the palm trees and calling Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And Jesus was getting all the praise. It's being exalted. But there was this donkey that was born to carry Jesus into his destiny. What would have happened if halfway through the donkey saw all the praise and he started to stand up? Hey, thanks guys. Jesus falls off the back. See, it's the same with us. In a sense, I get to be the donkey. And what a privilege that something that's just a human condition, something that this weak flesh gets to carry the Son of God into, the, into destiny and, and, and see incredible things happen. You know, Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. You can't even get into the presence of God without thankfulness. You know, I was, God really spoke to me about this point. And He said, Lucas, thankfulness, He said, it's not for me. I don't need it. God doesn't need your thankfulness. Do you know what I mean? He's not like us. He's not sitting in heaven 
going, man, I can't believe she never thanked me. Like he's not in heaven sad, do you know what I mean? Waiting to be propped up a little bit with our thankfulness. I felt God tell me that, Lucas, thankfulness is not for me, it's for you. Because if you'll stay thankful, it's a state of humility. And then I can keep getting power to you. I can keep sending grace. I can keep lifting you up. I can keep blessing you. And as a dad, all I want is to see you blessed. Thankfulness is the way that happens. You know, I've helped many people. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Have I got that scripture? Really quickly. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. There it is. My grace is sufficient. My power is made perfect in weakness. You know, because of the nature of my addiction, uh, you know, like uh, addictive behaviors and testimony, I get people talk to me all the time about different addictions, especially a lot of men. They'd be struggling with different sexual stuff. You know how many people I've seen set free because of this thing of humility and thankfulness? See, because what happens, and I I really felt to share this, it's a bit sort of to the side, but I felt like it was for someone, is what happens is you've been going in the same circle, trying to overcome the same addiction the same way. But often what is it's pride. You keep trying to work yourself up to go, yeah, no, I can do this. No, I can do it. But actually when you come to a place where you say, you know what, I can't do this because my flesh is weak. And it says right there that His grace is sufficient and His power is made perfect in weakness. That often the best way to overcome an addiction is when you actually stop trying to overcome the addiction and you just come to a point in your life where you acknowledge, Father, I now understand this flesh, it's, it's, it's rubbish, it is sinful, but God, I thank you that you are in me, that you're the one that causes me to overcome. I'm going to stop trying to win this battle by myself and I'm just going to step back and ignore, I can't do this, God, but thank God that you can do it. Thank God that you've already done it. Thank God that you're in me. And I've seen so many people unlocked from habitual, addictive things from a stance of humility and thanksgiving. You know, the, as we get ready to close, the greatest act of humility is when you surrender your life to Jesus. You know, as I was praying this morning, I really felt I want to give people an opportunity to give their lives to Christ for the very first time. But I actually felt that in this moment and in accordance with this message that there'll also be people that just need to get right with God. Maybe you've just been going at this a while and you've taken the reins into your own hands. And today you've just got to draw a line in the sand to say, you know what? It's time that I just give my life all over fresh again. It's time that I surrender to God. I really felt like there was going to be people that today would be a day and it might not be that you're sort of, you know, out doing crazy things but you just know in your heart that you've taken the reins to life back and you've been running your own race for some time but God wants to exalt you but it happens through humility the greatest act of humility is when we surrender our life to God I wonder if I could ask everyone to close their eyes bow their heads and I wonder if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Maybe someone brought you along and just like me 15 years ago, I walked into a church and for the very first time I heard about a God that loved me so much, a God that wanted to do good by me, a God that didn't hold all my sin against me, 
a God that wanted to know me. And I remember it was about 17 years ago and I prayed a simple prayer where I invited this God to come and live inside my heart. If you've never done that before in this place, I want to pray with you. I'm not going to get you out the front. But in a moment, I'm going to count to three. And if you're that person that's saying, you know what, I want to give my life to Christ for the very first time. Lucas, include me in your prayer. Then when I get to three, I'll get you to lift your hand. I'll see it. You put it back down. But then, like I said, I really felt that there's another group. And you just know in your heart of hearts that somewhere along the journey, yeah, you've been going to church, you've been doing the religious stuff, but you know that you're not really living for God. You're not making Him number one in your life. I'd love to include you in the prayer too. So if you're in either of those two groups of people doing this for the first time or recommitting your life, you're drawing a line in the sand, saying today's the day. When I get to three with every eye closed, every head bowed, I want you to lift your hand and I'll include you in my prayer. Every eye closed, every head bowed. One, friend, I tell you, He loves you more than you've ever dreamed or imagined. Two, it doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been or who you are. You're God's precious son or precious daughter. Three, all over this place. Quick, lift your hand to heaven right now. Yeah, I'd love to pray for you today. Good, yeah, awesome, 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 awesome. So good over here. So good, Holy Spirit. I tell you, people just, and I know a lot of it is recommitment, but you know what? Sometimes there comes a moment where you just got to refresh, restart. Do you know what I mean? And it's what you need, a, a moment right now. Can I get everyone to stand to their feet? Just keep your eyes closed. Just, just all those people that are including this prayer, would you quickly lift, lift your hand nice and high? Every eye closed. Come on, every person that, that said, lift it nice and high. Don't, don't be embarrassed because remember, it's humility. God, I want your power. God, I'm not going to live in pride and insecurity. Holy Spirit, there's so many people. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. So good. 18 at the back. I'm going to include you as well. And on the camera there too. Good on you, man. So good. So good. Powerful. You can close your eyes, put your hands down. Father, for every one of these people, I just pray that this would be an incredible day of humility. God, I, I just declare right now, this is not good on you, man. I see your hand too. This is not a moment where I just sort of do a cliche thing. But this is a life-changing moment that for these 20-odd people, the moment where they just reboot, where they reset, where they start to walk in the power and the glory of God. And I declare over those people that God is going to start to lift you up. God is going to start to breathe on everything you've done. Just for those 20 people, why don't you pray this prayer? But we're all going to pray it with you. I'm done in like one, one minute. Say, Dear Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. Thank you that you forgive me for everything that I've done wrong. So that today, I give you my life. I totally surrender to you. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Will you lift your hands every single person? Lift your hands. I'm going to close with prayer and then I'm going to go. It's been great being with you guys. Love you guys heaps. Father, for every single person, I just pray there'd be a shift in our hearts. God, I pray on behalf of myself as well. And I ask for forgiveness for me and for every person in this place. For every time that we have, we have let pride rule and reign in our lives. 
God, I thank you so much that you love us despite our humanity, that you love us with our flaws, that you love us with our weakness. But I thank you that you're a dad that just wants to get more grace, wants to get more power on businesses, on families, on finances, on children, on bodies, that you want to release your power and your faith in this place. I pray that as a people, that we would be prayers, that we would build humility into our lives, whether we start at five minutes or half an hour, whatever it be, that we were just people that keep coming before you and saying, God, I need your power in my life. I pray we'd be teachable, God, and I pray we'd be thankful. Father, would you bless your people in this place? Would you release your power in the name of Jesus Christ?